Uh, friends, if we can, let's open up to Psalm 23. Psalm chapter 23, if we have not had a chance to meet yet, my name is Kenson. I serve as the pastor of our Bridgeport Church. So grateful to be with you all to open up the word. Uh, I also want to let you know that your pastor, uh, Pastor Rafe Chenery and Sarah is actually here today. They're sitting right over there, you know. And just so you know, Rafe's back on the clock tomorrow morning, okay? So no more emails to me and Darren, straight to Rafe, okay? I'm just kidding. You haven't sent me any emails, but I'm just saying, you know, so Rafe's back. Glad to have you guys back. They look so refreshed. Can't wait to hear stories about your sabbatical. And also, I want to remind you guys again, 100 days is not too late. There's still plenty of time to do it. And I just want to share with you guys my 100 days. So what I wrote on my card here, and this is a white one about spiritual conversation, is that our small group dropped off a housewarming gift uh, to a Russian refugee family. So the housewarming gift was like just a lot of like household necessities, like, you know, like toilet paper, an oven, brooms, you know, stuff like that. And I did say Russian refugee family. So the story here is that this was actually a Russian family in Russia, and they left Russia because the husband was, in, was being asked to join the war, and the family decided that they didn't want to do that, and they left. And what was really humbling about it, I think Nate and Kendra talked about it as well too, is that just a few months ago, they were in a position where they were hosting people, they were having people over, and now for the last six months or so, they've been reaching out for help, you know? So it's just been really humbling, so we had a chance to pray with them, have a spiritual conversation with them. So I want to encourage you, 100 days of blessing, don't waste any moment here, look for, God, there's opportunities all around, there'll still be opportunities today to do that, so look for those things. So Psalm 23, let me read these verses, and then we're going to jump right in, okay? Psalm 23, a very familiar psalm, and I'll read. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You know, today we're in one of the most recognized chapters in all the Bible, Psalm 23. But Psalm 23 kind of gets a bad rap. There's a problem with it because the only time we ever seem to hear about Psalm 23 is at funerals or sympathy cards. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. I read it for every funeral that I officiate. But this psalm has way more to do with life than death. Verse 3, he restores my soul. Verse 4, my cup overflows. Verse 6, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Psalm 23 isn't speaking about your death. It's telling you how to live today, how to experience the blessing of having a loving relationship with God. That notice in verse 1 how personal the relationship is between David and God. The Lord is my shepherd. It's not their shepherd or even the shepherd, 
but my shepherd. This psalm is an overflow of David's personal experience with God. And because he walks closely with God, he experiences the provision and protection from God. The metaphor David uses to describe this relationship is the word shepherd. Now, in our modern day, we really don't know what it means to have a shepherd, but this is one of the primary ways God describes himself to us. Jesus says in John chapter 10 that I'm the good shepherd and I give my life to the sheep. That a good shepherd is willing to make the sacrifice to show you who loves you and who cares for you. But in order for him to shepherd you, it also means that you have to recognize that you are sheep. If you don't recognize yourself as sheep, you are not qualified to receive the promises of Psalm 23. And can I just say, every one of us, every single one of us, we want the second part of verse 1. How many of us would not want all of our needs to be met, right? We all do. But the problem is that we want the second part, but not the first part. The reason many of us are not seeing God meet our needs is, is, is because we haven't decided if we're going to be sheep. You've got to be sheep if you want to qualify to have God as your shepherd. Now, what does it mean to be sheep? You know, I think it means at least three things here, okay? Three things. You need to think these three things about yourself. First is this. You have to acknowledge that you are dumb, okay? I know you came to church not hoping to hear that, but that's what you're gonna hear, okay? That you're dumb, why? Because sheep are so, 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 so dumb. They are so dumb, okay? Let me show you this. In 2005, in Istanbul, Turkey, as shepherds were having breakfast, one of their sheep decided to wander off and it fell off a cliff. The next thing you know, the shepherds watched in horror as nearly 1,500 more of their sheep jumped off the cliff. In the end, 450 sheep were dead. Now, the reason there wasn't more sheep dead is because the sheep began to pile up on top of each other and acting like a cushion for those falling, okay? Sheep are so, 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 so dumb. In the same way, we have to recognize that we are dumb too. Now, this doesn't mean that we're not smart or we don't know things or learn things, but it does mean to be, that to be true sheep, we have to recognize that we have limitations, that we lack the capacity to fix ourselves. Secondly, to be sheep is to know that we are defenseless. Sheep don't have fangs, spikes like porcupines. They don't have farts like skunks, right? Instead, sheep are slow and vulnerable. This is why you'll never get a sheep to protect you or your home. There is no such thing as a guard sheep, okay? There's no such thing. They can't help you. This is also why no sports team is going to name their team the L.A. Sheep or the Chicago Sheep or the Detroit Sheep. A name like that will never win you any games, it's the L.A. Rams. It's the Chicago Bears. It's the Detroit Lions. To be a sheep is to say, Lord, I can't do this outside of you. I'm vulnerable and I'm weak. Now, finally, to be a sheep is to know that we are dirty, that we're dirty. That if you notice, sheep can't clean themselves. Unlike felines or cats that can lick themselves clean, sheep stay dirty forever unless a shepherd bathes them or trims their wool. To be a sheep, we have to be willing to admit that we're dirty, that we have dirty words, 
dirty thoughts, dirty attitudes, dirty actions, dirty habits. We can't make ourselves clean, so we need a Savior who can make us clean and pure. Unless we recognize that we are dumb, defenseless, and dirty, we'll never want a shepherd. And can I just say, this is exactly what makes Psalm 23 so challenging for us because we don't see ourselves this way. Our preference is not to be sheep because we see ourselves as sufficient, as smart, as moral, as capable, as strong. We don't want to be sheep. Instead, we want to be our own shepherd. You know, if I can just say that, if we had a chance to rewrite Psalm 23, I think it would sound something like this. Many of us are living like this is the psalm of our lives. I am my own shepherd. I shall not want. I make myself lie down in green pastures. I lead myself beside still waters. I restore my soul. I lead myself in paths of righteousness for my name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for I am with myself. My rod and my staff comfort me. I prepare a table before myself in the presence of my enemies. I anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in my house forever. Does reading this comfort you? And the answer is no. Just in case you didn't know, the answer is no. It doesn't comfort. It is terrifying. Friends, if you've got the wrong shepherd, you will always be in want. You will always be defenseless. You will always stay dirty. David in Psalm 23 puts no confidence in himself. The Lord is his shepherd, and because of that, he truly experiences life that is life. So with that, let's answer this question here and kind of move our message along here. How does the good shepherd care for us? And here are the three points that are going to move us along. How does the good shepherd care for us? When the Lord is my shepherd, I will be provided for. Secondly, when the Lord is my shepherd, I will be protected. And then finally, when the Lord is my shepherd, I will be pursued. Provided, protected, pursued. Okay, so first, I will be provided for. Verses 1 and 3 again. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Now, another way to translate verse one is to say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall lack nothing. In other words, the Lord is my shepherd, what else do I want? You know, let me ask you, can you say that? Right now. Can you say that right now? Can you say that right now I don't lack anything? That there is nothing I need in my life in order to feel safe, secure, and satisfied. Now, this doesn't mean that we don't want things in our lives to change or get better. But even if those things didn't happen, can you say that I'm content? If all I have is what I have now, I'm good. Now, some of you might be sitting here and thinking, Kenston, man, it's time for a wake-up call. Do you understand the world that we live in? There are problems and needs 
everywhere. Okay, I hear that. But understand also the context of this psalm. Who's writing this? It's King David who's writing this, and this is a guy who struggled a lot. As a matter of fact, many scholars believe that as David writes Psalm 23, most likely he is right now on the run from his son Absalom, who has staged a coup in the later years of David's kingship. David is a victim of a smear campaign, and even though he has fought for his nation over and over again, he is now seen as a traitor and troublemaker. So David has and is facing worries, fears, disappointments, frustrations, yet he says, I shall lack nothing. Why? It's because the Lord is his shepherd. You know, some of us think that if I could just get that job, get married, if I had a kid that was smart, you know, if my sickness went away, if I had that internship, that I will be content. No. What we see here is that contentment does not come from what we have. Contentment comes from whom we have. The great philosopher Jim, Jim Carrey once said this. Let me show it to you. I wish everyone could get rich and famous so that they would know it's not the answer. If we want contentment, it's not going to be found in the horizontal. It will be found in the vertical. Uh, look at verse 2 here. It says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Now, what do sheep normally do when they're in green pastures? They eat and graze all day. The only reason a sheep would lie down is because he's full. David is so full that he doesn't feel the need to consume and to want, want, and want. His soul is full because he is feasting on the presence of his shepherd. God's presence was David's satisfaction. When Jesus was led to the wilderness and tempted by the devil to turn, uh, turn stone into bread, Jesus says that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. When you're faced with a season of wilderness and wandering and you lack food, there is a better food for you to feast on, and it is the promises and presence of God. This is why we fast as Christians. It's such a good discipline to fast. It's because when we fast from food, we are teaching ourselves that when we deprive our belly of food, we are satisfying our souls with the closeness of the Holy Spirit. You know, verse 2 continues. He leads me beside still waters. Now, what do sheep normally do besides water? They drink. The fact that sheep walk alongside the water means that their thirst is satisfied. Jesus also says to the Samaritan woman at the well that whoever drinks of this well, Jacob's well, will thirst again, but, who, who, but he who drinks from the well of eternal life will never thirst again. Well, who is this eternal and everlasting and living water that Jesus is referring to? It's Jesus, the good shepherd. And then finally here in verse 3, it says, He restores my soul. Now, I believe that this means that God helps us to keep going even when we are disappointed or brokenhearted. You know, let me explain why. You know, something about sheep that we don't know about is that when they fall down, they can end up on their back with their feet in the air. And let me just show you a picture of it. It's called cast, that they're cast, laying on their back with their feet in the, in the ground. Now, when this happens, one of two things can happen to them. Either, the, either a predator will eat them 
or a shepherd gets them back on their feet because, a she- because the sheep have no capacity to get themselves back on their feet. But before a shepherd can do that, before a shepherd can turn them upside right to, to get them to stand, the shepherd first has to rub the legs of the sheep to restore circulation. Otherwise, they will fall again. In the same way, when life has dropped us to the floor, it is our good shepherd who restores our soul so that we can walk again. Do you see? It's in the gracious presence of Jesus who leads us and provides for us do we find rest and restoration. You know, I have four sons, and I'm so surprised that they never, ever get tired. They never get tired, okay? Now, they might be so tired that they can't keep their eyes open, but they will never admit that they are tired. So every afternoon for nap time, it's always, no nap, no nap, no nap, and they're running around the house. In the eyes of my child, the worst thing I can do to them is make them nap. But I still do because I love them and I need my nap, okay? But I still, I still make them nap. So I put them to bed. Sometimes I stand over the door to make sure they're not going to be running around, and I watch them for a bit. And 60 seconds later, they are out. You know, it's interesting that as parents, we have to make our children lie down. Why? Because children aren't smart enough to know that they're exhausted. Isn't that true of us big kids too? That we're not smart enough to know that we're exhausted. Many of us on the verge of burnout, you know, we wake up and we start emailing, twittering, you know, eating on the run. You know, we check off the list of to-dos and then only to have more to-dos. Even for many of us, our vacations are stressful. We're going 100 miles an hour 24-7. Who can last at this pace? Can cars and machines run nonstop? No. They will break down. We will break down. This is why I think it says in verse 2, the good shepherd makes us lie down in green pastures. Now, we can willingly lie down, or God will interrupt our little day planners. He'll interrupt our 90-day goals. He might even bring about sickness and even a loss of job to have us slow down so that we would lie down and enjoy his presence. This is what a good shepherd does. He provides rest and restoration to our weary souls. Here's the second point. When the Lord is my shepherd... I will be protected. I will be protected. Verse 4, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Why? For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. In the lowest and hardest point of this psalm, David says that in the worst places, I am not afraid because I know that happy days are right around the corner. No. Well, I'm not scared because I have enough money in the bank. No, I'm not scared because I'm in great physical shape. No, I'm not scared because I have the perfect marriage. I'm not scared because, you know, my my kids are in the right school. I'm not scared because I have the right politicians in office. No, 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 no. I'm not scared because you are with me. My shepherd is with me. I don't have to fear because you, my good shepherd, protect me. In John chapter 10, Jesus calls himself the good shepherd 
who fights for us. Let me just read a few verses from John chapter 10, verses 10 to 13. It says this, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He was a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees them because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Now, Jesus paints a picture of wolves coming to hurt the sheep, and there will be some that will abandon the sheep. That you have the hired hand who will leave because the hired hand's like, huh, this is not safe. This is too dangerous. These sheep aren't my own. You know, this is not worth it. But the good shepherd is not going anywhere. The good shepherd is going to kill the wolf. He will put his life on the line for our good. And that's exactly what Jesus does in laying down his life for us on the cross. Jesus goes with us through the valley of the shadow of death. Notice that this verse does not say that we go around the valley. We go through the valley. Psalm 23 shows us that life is not always going to be about green pastures and still waters. As long as we live in this broken and sin-tainted world, we will go through these valleys. Now, none of us, none of us would ever wish to live in, let alone walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Instead, our life goal is to stay away from the valley. That many of our prayers are like this. God, just carry me from mountain peak to mountain peak to mountain peak to mountain peak. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Okay, that's what we pray for. No, valleys are inevitable. You're dealing with it right now. Some of us might have an overbearing boss, a combative spouse, an addiction to alcohol or pornography, chronic health problems that leave us with no energy and no hope a mountain of debt. It can feel like everything is against us. It can feel like the valley is going to overwhelm us. But here's the good news. Even though Jesus never promises that we would escape the valleys, he never promises that, okay? Now you can cherry pick verses to make it sound like that. He doesn't promise that. But what he always promises is that he will go through the valley with us. In Psalm 23, Jesus makes his claim on your life. You are mine. Politicians might fail you. Pastors might fall short. Spouses and parents might fail you. Other institutions might fail you. But Jesus is not going anywhere. You have been bought with the price, the precious blood of Jesus. So our goal is not to avoid the valley, but it's to say, I can go through it because God is stronger than anything in this valley. The shepherd walks with us through the valley, and he protects us. You know, in 1 Peter, Peter describes Satan as a roaring lion who seeks to devour. Now, that's scary to hear, but we don't need to fear because the lion can't get to us unless he goes through the shepherd. Romans 8.31 says this. Let me show it to you. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Amen? Amen. You know, verse 5, continuing on. You prepare a table before me 
in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Now let me ask you, what do you do at a table? You eat. You eat at a table. You fellowship with others. This is what David's saying. In all in the middle of everything that is going wrong, in the presence of my enemies, in the presence of so much opposition, in the presence of so many challenges, I sit down with you and I am full and I am satisfied and I am at peace. That David, even in the presence of his enemies, he doesn't focus on his enemies. He focuses on his shepherd who protects him. Let me ask you, what is your instinct when you're in the valley? When you're in the valley, what's your instinct? Is it to fight? You know, to be angry, to lash out, to wave your fist to God? Or maybe for some of us, it's to flight. It's, it's to hide. That we push others away. We distract or numb ourselves. Or, or we free fall into hopelessness. Or, or do you fellowship? Do you sit with your shepherd? Do you abide and confide in him? When you are in the valley, don't fight, don't flight, fellowship. David says that you anoint my head with oil, my cup is full. No, 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 that's not what it says. What does it say? My cup overflows. You know, in Old Testament, to anoint with oil was a sign of the presence of the Holy Spirit coming upon a person. This is why David is not filled with fear and worry, but peace and joy, because he has the intimate presence of God. And as a matter of fact, because he's walking so closely with his good shepherd, there is so much peace and joy that overflows to others. You know, for example, like this cup here. Now imagine that this cup is filled to the very brim with water. Now imagine that this is your soul. And the troubles of life begin to knock you around. Let me ask you, what begins to spill out? Is it fear and worry, or is it joy and peace? Now, notice I didn't say happiness. Now, I believe happiness is a good emotion, but it's tied to our circumstances, so happiness can be a very fickle emotion. Joy is greater than our circumstances. It's a feeling of contentment that no matter what happens to me, God is in control. When we know that we're in the Savior's hand and he provides for us and protects us, we can let go of our fear and anxiety and instead let God use us for his glory. You know, I have a friend who actually suffers with chronic and constant pain because of his battle with cancer, that because of the radiation and chemo treatments, it has left his body just in a complete disarray, in constant pain, in constant discomfort, that right now he's in his early 40s and all of his teeth are coming out because he's had throat surgery. You know, it's, it's just, he can't taste anything. But what I admire about this brother in Christ is that everyone says this about him, that even though he is suffering, you don't see him walking around, moaning and crying, say, look at me. But this is someone who's actually looking not to be ministered to. He actually looks to minister to those around them, around him. Everyone always says the same thing, that when they are around, around him, they feel like a million bucks because of how much he cares for them. This is someone walking closely with the good shepherd. This is someone whose cup is overflowing. That even though, even though in times of pain and emptiness, there is such a joy and contentment because it is found in the presence of your shepherd. 
In Psalm 23, God doesn't promise to take away our enemies. He promises that he will be with us in the midst of our enemies. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not fear because we have his protection. And finally, when the, when the Lord is my shepherd, I will be pursued. Verse 6, I will be pursued. Verse 6, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, as David ends, he gives this beautiful picture of God's love. He says in verse 6 that God's goodness and mercy follows us. Now, 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 a better word than follow is the word pursue, okay? Now, I think this is what's happening, and I actually got this from John Piper, a pastor up in Minnesota, but he kind of gave this metaphor of what this, of what this looks like. He says, imagine that you're driving on a highway and you go over the speed limit and immediately you see on your driver's hand side, lights turn on and there's a police car chasing over you. But instead of pulling over to the cops, you put, your, you put the pedal to the metal. You start to think about, oh no, all the crimes that you've done. The guilt grows. You think about every fault that you've committed and it makes you anxious and you can't imagine yourself going to jail. So you run, you go faster and faster and faster. You can't get pulled over because if you get this ticket, your life is over. But finally, the police car forces you over. You sit there in tears and you're trembling and the police officer taps the window and says, going kind of faster, huh? And there you're sitting there, and you're like, I'm sorry, I'll never do it again. I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And the officer says to you, don't worry. I'm not here to give you a ticket for speeding. I'm here to tell you that you won the lottery. Did you know that everyone has been looking for you? So when I saw your car coming down the highway, I had to chase after you because I had to tell you the good news. Friend, today you're not going to jail. You're moving to a mansion. This is the heart of verse 6. God is your good shepherd and he pursues you with what? It's this right here. Goodness and mercy every day of your life. And let me just say, your shepherd is fast. You're not gonna outrun him. Now we say this a lot at Park Community Church about following Jesus, but in Psalm 23, the good shepherd follows us, creating beauty and blessing in the wake of our misery and mess. Now for some of us, we really need to hear this because we just don't believe this. What we do believe is that if we are truly known, if God really got a hold of us, if we were truly exposed, goodness and mercy is not what will follow me. Instead, it's judgment. It's, it's wrath that he's gonna bring the pain. David says, you see those footprints right behind you? That is goodness and mercy. Friends, this is the good news we have in Christ. Wrath is not what chases after you. It is God's love because Jesus, the perfect lamb of God, he took all of your sin, past, present, and future to the cross. That Jesus went through the darkest valleys of rejection, punishment, and ultimately death and separation from God so that the goodness and mercy Jesus deserved for his perfect life, we now have. 
Our confidence and security and satisfaction is not found in ourselves. It is found in the life, death, and resurrection of our good shepherd, Jesus. David closes this psalm by saying, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the climax of Psalm 23. Whether that we are in green pasture or beside still water or wandering in a desert or deep in a valley or even at a dinner table with my enemies, I don't have to fear. I don't have to worry. I don't have to be content because he is with me. The Lord is my shepherd, thus I lack nothing. I am not in want because he provides for me, he protects me, he pursues me. You know, growing up, I thought my dad was the absolute greatest. That in my mind, he was the smartest and strongest man alive. That he could fix anything with a pocket knife. That he wasn't scared of anything, not even bees or rats or cockroaches. You know, I remember one night when my mom heard something in the basement. She thought someone broke in, so we ran out of the house, went to my grandmother's house, and called my dad. And my dad rushed to the house. Now, no one broke in. We lived in a very old house, so they make a lot of noises. But if there was a burglar in in the house, I know that my dad would have pummeled him, okay? My dad was so great that I was convinced that my dad could beat up your dad, okay? I was so convinced of that. When I was around my dad as a young kid, I felt safe. I felt provided for because my dad was bigger than any of the dangers around me. Church, our good shepherd is bigger than any of the dangers around us. He's infinitely better than any earthly father. Thus, we don't have to fear the future. We don't have to live in discontentment and dissatisfaction. It's in his presence alone we can have joy, security, and fullness in any circumstance. This is what it looks like to walk closely with your shepherd. Friends, there is no friendship, championship, scholarship, relationship, ownership, or fellowship that can fully satisfy. Psalm 23 invites you to stop looking at all the wrong places and to look to the good shepherd. Will you come to him today? You know, the way I want us to wrap up our time here today is that I actually want us together as a church to read Psalm 23 as our confession together. And I'll have the verse up here on the screen, so we're reading off in the same translation here. But the problem with Psalm 23, a big danger of it, is that it's so familiar to us that sometimes we lose the heart of this. That it's one thing to know in your head that he's your good shepherd, but it's a whole other thing to experience him in your life as your good shepherd. So what I want us to do here is I want us to go ahead and I want us to read this together and let this be our prayer and let's ask God to not make this just something that we know but something that we feel deeply within our souls that we are cared for, we are loved by Jesus, our good shepherd. So church, let's read this together and then I'll have Darren come up and lead us in communion. But let's read this together as our prayer. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. 
my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And all God's people said,